born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Jonah. I want you to understand that many times there are stories in the Old Testament that teach New Testament doctrine, New Testament truth. So once you trust Christ as your Savior, it is the will of God that you serve the Lord. You don't serve the Lord to go to heaven, but we should serve the Lord. God wants to use you. And if you don't serve the Lord, you should understand, because it's the will of God, that He's going to beat the tar out of you and make you wish you had have served the Lord. So there is a story in the Old Testament that is just loaded with all kind of jewels. And that's the story of Jonah. Now Jesus was here and he talked about Jonah. He says, uh, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, even so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So we know that there's um, a stamp of approval put upon the book of Jonah. Jesus says this is a true story. This year one Christian was arguing with a, an atheist, and he says, um, I guess you believe in that story about Jonah. He says, yes, I do believe in the story of Jonah, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to him about it. He says, and what if he's not there? He said, well, then you can talk to him. <laughs> but yes, I do believe in the story of Jonah. So this is a story about a man named Jonah, and in chapter 1, he runs away from the Lord. In chapter 2, he runs back to the Lord. In chapter 3, he runs with the Lord. And in chapter 4, he runs ahead of the Lord. So, um, oh, he's a busy man. He's just running all over the place. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, God says that he has entrusted us with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our heart. So God wants us to deliver a message. Well, now, there was a Gentile city in Iraq named Nineveh. God wanted these Gentiles to know the Lord, to know him. So he has his messenger. Uh, but this Hebrew, uh, he, didn't like, he didn't like them Gentiles. But God says, I'm going to destroy the city. You would think that um, Jonah would have been heartbroken over that. Jonah wasn't heartbroken over that. Jonah wanted God to get him. Jonah chapter 1. Look at this. In verse 1, And now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Mittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. 
Number one, he knew the will of God. God just told him what to do. You and I, we may know the will of God, but doing it is a different story. Now, he didn't want to go there. So what he did, he decided, I'm going to do some running. Verse 3, Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, the presence of the Lord is in the will of God. So if you want to be in the presence of God, just simply be in the will of God and voila, there he is. Many people run from the Lord and wonder, I wonder where God is. I wonder where God is. Well, you'll find him in the will of God. That's where God is. So if you was to do the will of God in the will of God, there he is. And you get to know him. But he wanted to run from the presence of the Lord. means he wanted to run from the will of God. So when you run from God, you're not just running from the will of God. You're trying to get away from his presence. But where can you run that God is not there? Can you send him to heaven? Ah, he's there. Go down to hell. God's there. God's everywhere. God can be everywhere all at the same time. You can't run from God, though people try. But get what he says here. And he says in verse 3, and he went down. You ought to underline that word down. It shows the direction that you're going to go when you try to get away from doing the will of God. Now, remember, we're reading this because it's to help you to know how to live your life. So he says, and he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and he went down into it to go from them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so anytime you want to run from God, you're going to go down. You're either walking toward the Lord or with the Lord or away from the Lord. So how are you doing? You're walking with the Lord, away from the Lord, or going back to the Lord? He says in verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. Remember this, the Lord sent the wind. The Lord did that. God sent the problem into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea. God did that. So that the ship was like to be broken. See, God knew what he was doing. God caused a problem. That's why, see, when you run away from the Lord, you can expect, yeah, you're going down. You're going away. Uh, but there's more problems where you're headed than what you ran from. Anytime you run from the Lord, you're headed into more problems than you can shake a stick at. I was told you're not supposed to trouble trouble till trouble troubles you. But some people just look for trouble. You think you're getting away from something, you're getting it worse. You see, if you think the responsibility of doing what God wants you to do, and he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Whenever you try to get rid of that yoke, did you realize that he's going to put a yoke of iron upon your neck? Now, which one's easier? The yoke of the Lord or the yoke of iron? And it'll weigh you down until it destroys you. So he says here, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. So they had different gods. And cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down inside of the ship and he lay and went to sleep. The nerve. He didn't care. He didn't care if he lived or died. He's just running. And get what he says. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. It's amazing how holy these guys got all of a sudden. And these, they're on the ship and it's about to be broken up and they know they're going to die. And now it's time to call upon the Lord. You know, some people are just like that. 
They don't need God, don't want God. But something happens, all of a sudden they got to call upon the Lord. Lord, get me out of this mess or out of this jam. And then they make a whole bunch of pledges and promises and vows. How many times I've been to the hospital, Pastor, pray for me. If I ever get out of this, I'll be in church every Sunday. And they get well and I never see them. They meant some other church. I should have known that. Have you ever had something, a crisis in the family, and you will ask God, Lord, if you ever get me out of this, I promise, and you got a vow that you made. But look what he says in verse 7. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Ha ha, you're the bad guy. You're the one that did this. Then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? Where'd you come from? What's the country? What people are thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. Capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah. Not just any God. God, the God of heaven, which made land and the dry land and sea. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew why he fled from the presence of the Lord. And you ought to align it because he told them. He knew what he had done, knew why he did it. Isn't it? They had all kinds of questions. Did you know that sometimes problems come so that people ask you questions? They asked him questions. Did you know he really wasn't in a soul-winning mood? But God was forcing this upon him. Well, he told him, he said, now, if you want to solve the problem, look at verse 11. Then said they unto him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was very tempestuous. And he said unto them, take me up and cast me forth unto the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Have you ever had a Jonah on board? Sometimes it can be the husband in the home. He's a Jonah on board. He knows right, but he won't do right. And because of his decisions, everybody else suffers. Sometimes the man wants to serve the Lord, and the wife doesn't want to serve the Lord. And she can be a Jonah on board. He would rather die than do the will of God. So he says here, in verse 14, wherefore they cried unto the Lord. Now, they're all crying to L-O-R-D, his God. We beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood for thou, O Lord, L-O-R-D. See, before they were praying to their God, now they're praying to his God. Isn't it amazing how God can use people to get people to the Lord? And so it says in verse 15, so they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Problem solved. Boy. Solve that problem. <laughs> Just threw the man overboard. But it ain't all over yet. Look at verse 16. Then the men feared the L-O-R-D, Jehovah, exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. You'd be surprised how many people have made vows unto the Lord and then never kept them. You probably made some vows sitting here. For example, have you ever made a vow to a, your wife or your husband until death do us part and it didn't last very long? You'd be surprised. You can make vows about your children to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And then you don't do it. The story of Jonah is in here to see how God works in the life of a disobedient person. You know what to do and you don't do it. It says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. And look what he says in verse 19, 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, many people say that Jonah was in the belly of the fish and so he died. 
And he may have died. But it says he was three days and three nights in the fish's belly. And if he had died, he wouldn't have been in the fish's belly for three days and three nights. He would have been in the heart of the earth. Now, that's where his body was, but where was he? But when Christ referred to it, it says, even as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, I believe if he had died, he would have been there. But it doesn't matter. It was a type of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in verse 1, where Jonah runs to the Lord. Now, look what God had to do. It was the Lord, remember, that prepared that, the wind. It was the Lord that made the storm. It was the Lord that... Prepare the fish. God's been busy. God is working in your life. In verse 2 he says, And he said, look at verse 1, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God, Out, out of the fish's belly. That's where he was. Now get what he said. And he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction. Well, he thought it was going to all be over with. Oh, it's not over with. He said, I cried unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou hearest my voice. Now, that's why some people believe that's where he might have went. Well, maybe he did. I don't really care where he went. I just know he's in the belly of the fish, and he's crying out to God, and he's got problems. In other words, wouldn't it have been worse to have been in the belly of the fish, and you can't get out, and you're whirling all around, and the seaweed's all over your, and it's salt water, and you're trying to fight for your air? But it was miserable. And can you imagine all this here acid inside of a fish's belly? I believe whenever he came out, he must have been pure white. If Jonah had never got right with God, that fish would have never vomited. In verse 3, he says, For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas. The floods compass me about. All thy billows and thy waves pass over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward the holy temple. The waters compass me about. Even to the soul, the depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. And get what he says in verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. That's a good time to do it, isn't it? And my prayer came in unto, the, unto thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I have vowed. And underline this phrase, salvation is of the Lord. Hey, I'm ready to go now. And in verse 10 of chapter 2, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. If verse 9 hadn't have taken place, uh, verse 10 it wouldn't have taken place. But always remember, there's a God in heaven who's going to beat the tar out of you. You can't live as you please and get away with it. You can't thumb your nose at God and be rebellious in your heart toward God and not do what God wants you to do, and then God just lets you alone. He don't give you a pass. So chapter 3 is second chance. Now Jonah begins to run with the Lord. He's doing a, he going to run with the message God gave him, and he's going to where God wanted him to go to start with. Now look how much he could have saved himself. All that that happened to him didn't have to happen. It was because he was rebellious. So in verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, underlined it, second time. The message did not change. The will of God did not change. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. In other words, I want you to tell them what I'm telling you. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. 
Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed. This is what Jonah was afraid of. He knew they wouldn't believe it. He didn't want them to believe it. He wanted God to get them. And they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Verse 6, Word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. Boy, this guy was serious. He believed what Jonah preached. And he didn't want his city to be destroyed. But because of the wickedness going on in the city, he says, now you need to clean them things up. Christians are supposed to do right, but you don't do right in order to go to heaven. But doing right can keep the hand of God's judgment off of you. I believe that if God can see Nineveh, God could see America. Look at verse 7. And he causes it to be published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his noble saying, let nobody have anything. Verse 8. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, cry mightily unto God, yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way. This is not to be saved. This is to keep from having physical death. You see, you'll find that mentioned throughout the scriptures about a man turning from sin. Turning and forsaking his evil way. That's because as a nation, even Israel, God could chasten them, whoop them, take them out of their land, all kinds of things. Even a Christian, Christian, once you're saved, should depart from evil. A Christian should turn from sin. But not to be saved, but because you are. If I do not want the chastening hand of God upon me, I better correct the errors of my way. I better stop doing the things that's going to bring God chastening upon my life. He says here in chapter 4, verse 1, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He was very angry. Now, why is he so upset? You see, he's mad at God. And he prayed unto the Lord. Ain't it amazing? You can even pray when you're not right. And he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, see, he went to another country. I believe that God has, over the years, and we may not know how many different people that God has sent to other countries in order to preach. He says, when I was yet in my own country, this is, Lord, this is why I didn't want to go. I told you this is what you would do. Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew, get this, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of a great kindness, and repentest thee of this evil. And I knew you weren't going to do it. If they listened and they changed their mind, I knew you wouldn't do it. Well, what did he want them to do? He wanted them to be zapped. So give what he says. In verse 3, Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life, let me die. Boy, did he have a pity party. This man just doesn't learn his lessons. He says, for it is better for me to die than to live. You ever get down so low that this is... Listen. And little did he know and understand that what he just went through was a type of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What an honor. To be said, I was an example. This one guy told me, he says, I'm not totally useless. 
I can be used as a bad example. <laughs> Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Well, why didn't God just do that? Well, he didn't do it. Look at this. He says, then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? In other words, is that helping you? You feel better now? You're all mad. You're all upset. You're angry. How do you feel? You feel better now? In verse 5, so Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, sat under it in the shadow, till he might see what would become of the city. So he went up there and sat on the hill. So while he's sitting there for on the hill, minding his own business, the Lord God prepared a gourd. Now, have you noticed how many things God prepared? He prepared a wind. He prepared a great fish. <laughs> he prepared a gourd. God did this. God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head. Now, isn't that gracious and kind of God? To deliver him from his grief because of the hot sun. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Now, here's all these people in the city. He don't care about them. But now he cares about this gourd. Kind of like a turtle that fell in love with an army helmet. In verse 7, but God prepared a worm. See there? If God can use a gourd and God can use a worm, don't you feel like God can use you for something? But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day. The next day. And it smote the gourd and it withered. Now get it. God did this. God made a gourd to grow, shade him from the sun, and he liked that. And then God prepared a worm. Sent the worm. The worm ate the gourd, killed the gourd. In verse 8, And it came to pass when the sun did rise, that God prepared a vehement east wind. God did this. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted, and wished in himself to die. And he says, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he says, I do well to be angry, even unto death. See, God was giving him an object lesson. Look what he was trying to teach him at verse 10. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither made it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and all that cattle. He says, there's all those people, and they can't discern between the left hand and the right hand. He said, they were totally ignorant. They didn't know the Lord. He says, you've got more compassion for that gourd than you have for those people. God's like saying, am I wrong because I love? Am I wrong because I'm gracious? Wouldn't it be neat if more people had more love and more kindness and a little bit more grace. Look up here. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, this is what God would want you to know. I, just like Jonah, have been commanded by God to take this message to anybody that I can get it to. This is you and me. This is sin. God says that he... Loves us, but he hates our sin. But everybody has a sinful nature, and that's why we do all these bad things. Now, God sees everything that we do. There's a God in heaven that knows everything. And he says that he's going to have to judge us. 
And the penalty for sin is death and hell. Since every man sins, every man has to die and spend an eternity separated from God. But God says, I want you to tell the people that I love them. Now, I don't love the sin, but I love them. And because I love them, I want you to tell them something. You see, they can't go to heaven the way they are. See, heaven is perfect. God is perfect. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect. No sin. Sin, we can't get in. So God says you can't earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Christ, who had no sin, did not have to die. So what he did is he took our sins, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said, if we'll believe that he did it for us, that he would give to us as a free gift, everlasting life. And we go to heaven on what he did. Once you trust Christ as your Savior, you say, okay, I believe that. Then God says that he gives you as a free gift, eternal life. You're his child. You're going to heaven when you die. But God says, there's still a lot of people out there that don't know and don't understand. Now, you that know Christ as your Savior, did you see the reasons why we need to be found faithful in serving the Lord? God says that he will chasten us. Chasten means to discipline, to correct. He uses another word there, chasten, and scourgeth. Scourgeth means a pretty good-sized little beating. It's not just a, don't do that again. The other one might be bringing you down to the depths of the sea. I mean, where he kind of wipes you out. I mean, he can do it health-wise, finance-wise. He can do it. Don't underestimate the power of your heavenly Father. Now, the reason he does it is because he loves you. He needed Jonah. I used to have people tell me, well, God doesn't need you. He don't need you. Yes, he does. He does need us. We are important. And God left us here to get a job accomplished. And the most important thing we can ever do is to get people to trust Christ as their Savior. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you are here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you just never trusted Him, why not right now just talking to the Lord? Say something simple. Lord, I'm a sinner. Praying God knows it. Just a matter of each one of us admitting it. I'm a sinner. It means I'm not perfect. I've done things wrong. I've sinned. When you say I'm a sinner and I've sinned, it means I deserve to go to hell. I deserve to pay for what I've done. But I believe Jesus Christ, that he died, paid for my sins. And friend, God says if you'll trust him as your only hope of going to heaven, he will save you from hell and give to you the free gift of eternal life. And he'll never cast you out and never lose you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, Anyone at all say, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior, and preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand over quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Yes, God bless you, ma'am. You can put it down. Anyone else? Just slip it up very quickly. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. I appreciate that. Let me just change it just for a second. When Jonah ran ahead of the Lord, he didn't have any patience. He didn't have any peace. He had no perception. He lacked discernment. He had no purpose to live. And God had to teach him a very important lesson. You have trusted Christ as your Savior maybe many years ago. And you dedicated your life to him. You said you were going to serve him. And you haven't done like you promised. You haven't kept your vow. If you're here this morning, you say, I want to renew my vow. 
I want God's blessings. I want God's will. I've been running long enough. I want to do whatever God wants me to do or whatever time I've got left. And preach, I'd like for you to pray for me. No, I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I do it with heads bowed and eyes closed. But you say, yes, you spoke to me today. And I need to get things right. And I want you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Yes, God bless you. Hands all over. God bless you. Thank you so much. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed. Caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.